Hello there, this interview that you're about to hear was originally done by me, Sam Roscoe or Chris Prince for the Blue Moon podcast sometime between 2009 and now. That means if there's anything that sounds a bit out of date or if there's anything that's an obvious topic that we've not asked the guest about, it's probably because the interview is from a long time ago. This show is basically the Blue Moon podcast interview archive. All of the new interviews that we do with former City players and managers will go live on the Blue Moon podcast first, so if you like what you hear then please go and subscribe to that and there's a new show every Friday with a look at everything on and off the pitch for City. But for now enjoy the end of this generic recorded message and enjoy the interview with the person whose name is in the title of this episode. So uh, to start with the mark uh, I'd like to take you back to uh, all the way back to what would it have been 2008 and moving from Blackburn to City. Um, how, how did it all come about? Um, it's quite an interesting story actually dude. It was um... Um, myself, we were at Blackburn, we had four really good years there and, and we'd been basically um, just talking quietly amongst ourselves, myself, Mark Hughes, Eddie Nizveski about, well, you know, after four years of Blackburn, you know, things had not gone really well and how long is this going to go on for, you know, a small club, we hadn't spent a lot of money and you, you, you're very much aware of, you know, the... the the time sort of process, you know, where, where you can go and how long you can go on like that. Um, without really, you know, you know talk, targeting any other clubs or even, you know, just a brief conversations we were having. And Mark used to, um, we well, staff used to go away with the, with the wives at the end of the season and just, just four to five days, you know, it's like play a bit of golf and, and just um, have a little break. As you do, and we we'd gone. I think this year we'd gone to perhaps Mallorca, taking the waves long, and we were we were playing golf. Um, myself and Mark against uh, Eddie Nesvesky and the goalkeeper coach Kevin Hitchcock. And I got a phone call um, from a friend of mine in the press, um, um, who basically said to me uh, very quietly on the golf course as I answered my phone, which I shouldn't be doing. He said, "Would uh, Mark fancy going to Man City?" Um, I think Sven had just finished. It was a back end, at the end of that season. Sven, had, I'm not sure if generally, I'm not sure if he'd been sacked yet or the season had finished anyway. And the the call came through: Would Mark fancy Man City? And I turned round basically and said yes. And this person sort of laughed and he said, "Well, do you think you better ask Mark first? <laughs> uh, and I said, "Well, well, yeah, I know what you're saying, but look, you know, I, I, I knew he would obviously." Uh, a big club like City, and I knew I knew the time was right. But I said, "Well, listen, let me let me speak to Mark first. So he got back on the buggy. I, I was out of the hall as usual, uh, gone out of bounds. He got back on the buggy at, at, the, at the green, and, and we started driving off. And I said, you know, I asked him the question, "Would you, you know, what do you think about Man City?" And he sort of looked at me twice and said, well, "What do you mean?" And I said, "Well, somebody I know in the, in the press who's obviously connected to somebody at City has has asked, would you be interested?'" And Mark said. Yeah, well, of course, we'd have to talk to them. So I rang this fella back who then introduced me to, um, let's say, somebody who was known as a one of these like super agents, yes, who was connected, well connected to uh, Taksin Sinuatra and his people. So cut a long story short, because I'm, I'm going on a bit here, but it was, it was a case of Mark spoke to this agent later on that evening. And had a long conversation, private conversation with him, and we were all, you know, downstairs. I think it was seven o'clock at night, ready to have a, you know, maybe a, a quick beer before we had something to eat. 
And Mark came down and basically looked at me and, and we had a very quiet conversation. He said, look, I think we're off to City. And that was it, really. And the one, But the one thing I'll add to that is, so we were away. When we came back, we actually had some contact from Chelsea at the time. And I think it was, I'm, I'm, my memory's not great on this one. I think Phil Scolari went in there. But you'd have to check on that one. Because what actually happened was we came back and, I, again, Every knew that I was really obviously very, very close to Mark and we did did things together. So we came back and there was some sort of just just some sort of preliminary sort of contact from from somebody who said they were representing the people of Chelsea. And it actually came down to a fact that we Mark Mark was driving from Manchester. Um I was living in Solihull in Birmingham at the time. And he was picking me up on the way through that we were actually going to come down and have dinner with uh, um Tax Insinuator's people and basically rubber stamp the deal. And as he was on his way down, literally an hour away from Solia, or a half an hour away, I was getting conversations still, phone calls from the people or a person who said they represented the people of Chelsea, basically saying, well, put the, put the dinner off because there's a strong possibility that Chelsea are going to be coming in for Mark. Um, we got I got in the car. We drove down to London, and all the way down, I probably got three or four com- uh, um, phone calls from this person, who basically said, in the end, David, he said, "Listen, um, what I do know for certain is Chelsea are talking. Mark's on a, on a very short list, but so because Mark basically said, well, look, I'm not going to call off a, a, a meeting with ta- tax insurance people just on the the basis of somebody saying, well, you know." Chelsea are interested, you know. I went to said, are they? Because we are. He said, we are, and I am going to basically sit down and sign for Man City as soon as we get to London. And it literally came to uh, almost us pulling up in, in the street outside the hotel where we were meeting him where they couldn't give us all, let's say, Mark, any guarantees. I mean, what I was told, that there was a, um, members of the board of Chelsea who wanted Mark and, and maybe one or two who were looking at somebody else. And that was it, really. We, we decided, no, OK, Thanks very much for for the for the supposed interest, if you like. But we, you know, Man City went went Mark, and he he basically decided that was it. We were going to do so. Yeah, so that that was the, that was the situation which led to, you know the build up really led to led to Mark signing or led me as well to going to Manchester City. Yeah, did you? I mean, when you when you got to City with Mark, uh, did you did you know the situation that you were walking into? Given uh, that the owner was having his his assets frozen, the, you know the the situation behind the scenes was. I mean, looking from the outside in, it seemed chaotic. Well, mm, it, it, it was again. Um, I don't think we knew the, the severity of it, did well. We certainly didn't because um, I mean, you know, to sort of simplify it, all we we would basically looking and saying, look, Man City is a huge club. And almost, let's say, I don't mean this condescending, almost like a sleeping giant. Um, yes, there was a little bit of, I dare you, a horrible word to use, but that sort of little bit of sexiness to it, if you like, you know. Uh, Sven had sort of been there. Or, uh, generally, man, you can probably tell me, I'm not sure if he'd if he'd been sacked or we were told, listen, Sven's finished, he's going or whatever. I don't know the actual detail on that one, but it seemed like a, you know, a good proposition. And, and Gary Cook was there at the time or had just been brought in at the time and it's almost like something something big was going to be happening there you know and uh, but obviously we quickly found out i mean 
just just go on from there. Obviously, we, we found a club that had finished. I think it was like was it mid table in the Premier League at the time, and the infrastructure wasn't great. And it run on the training ground. I didn't think it was you know, let's just say uh, it didn't lend itself to being like an elite environment. Let's say you know for football, um, and uh, again. You tell you'd know better than me. We, I remember we played right. I might have been the first game of the season or the second game of the season where we played. Um, we played Aston Villa away. Um, I think we lost the game, and as soon as the game finished, Mark said to me, "Look, they want to see us. Uh, we're going to speak to um, a fellow called Pyros, who, who was Sinuatra's uh, right-hand man, who was almost like running the club at the time. Well, he was running the club, I think. Uh, they wanted to speak to us um, after the Aston Villa game." So I think it was Pyroj, there was Gary Cook, myself, Mark. So we went to the hotel um, in Birmingham, city centre. And basically it was, it was said, listen, um, this is a situation. Money's really bad. Um, we have agreed a fee with Tottenham Hotspur for Koluka. Um, we were like, Mark was, Mark was totally stunned. And said, well, listen, you know, we're trying to build something here. We've just got beaten by Aston Villa. You know, the squad needs strengthening. It doesn't need sort of, you know, weakening it, you know, but they were, you know, adamant that I think Tottenham had offered something like £10 million for him. The deal was sort of, they, they'd said, yes, he can go, and that was it. So I think if you like Gary Cook, so to speak, would see if you like a little bit of the toys coming out of the pram, you know, Mark obviously just coming to the club wasn't happy. And I can I can sort of remember the conversation, not not vividly, but just as, it, was, it was along the lines of, well, listen, if Koluga goes, then we've got you know we've got to allow you to bring players in, and you can spend some money. And who have you know who have you basically got? Can you you know? And, and Mark said, "Well, look, if Koluga goes, we need to strengthen the the, the defense. Obviously, two players that we've we've looked at and admired for for a while were um, Pablo Zabaleta and Vincent Company. Having said that, at the time, and I smile about it now because Vincent was was seen as a as a Big, powerful defensive midfield player at the time at uh, at Hamburg, you know. So, but we we obviously need you know we needed that defensive sort of somebody in front who could protect as we thought at the time, and it sort of went from there. Whereby you know we were allowed then if if, if Koluka went, then it was my take on it. We were then allowed to bring go go for Zabaleta and for um, for Vincent. Yeah, was there was there any any truth in the rumor around um, Stephen Ireland being sold behind your backs as well? There, there was yes. the, the the rumor about the ahead of the AC Milan game, wasn't there? Yes, yeah, there was definite talk with Stephen going. Uh, was it Sunderland or something? And and again, Mark Mark sort of put his put his foot down. If like, he said, look, look, you can't you can't go doing things like this. He's a big part of our plans, and and it, that that didn't materialize, you know. Yeah, um, I, just looking at um, kind of the shape of the squad when you arrived, because obviously the, the the last league game before you before you got there, they lost eight one at Middlesbrough. Yeah, um, yeah. So not, I mean, not an ideal situation to walk into, I guess. Well, it wasn't, and, and genuinely, it, you know, it was there at the time where you know we'd been at Blackburn four years, we'd had four four top ten, top eight, I think finishes. We'd been in Europe sort of two or three years running. We'd got the semi finals of the cup, and in terms of actually on the field of play. At that specific time, or Blackburn was a lot more attractive, but obviously, you know, like a lot of like all managers, I suppose you're looking at what, what you can possibly build at a big club like City, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, looking at uh, from the fans' point of view as well, because um, it was was it was it a difficult situation there, just simply because of how much the fans had had loved Sven Goran Eriksson and and not wanted him sacked in the in the first instance. And I mean, uh, uh, simply, it sounds daft, but like Mark's connection with United as well. Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I certainly had had reservations in terms of um, yes, he wanted to go to City, but you no, know, ask ask Mark the question, you know, <laughs> was this the uh, the right thing for him to be doing, and and Mark, being the person he is, said, said "Listen, listen." He called me Bo. He said, "Listen, Bo. It, you know, if we're successful, it, it, it won't really matter. You know, I, I, you know, but we back ourselves. You know, to do a decent job and try and take the club forward." He said, "I can't be. You know, if it seems a good situation, I can't be worried about the situation. How it might affect me personally and things like that. We just got to basically, if, if we think it's a good career move for us." You know, and everything's a gamble, but that, that, let's go ahead and do it and embrace it and give it everything we got. Yeah. When when did you find out that uh, the next takeover was happening, the Sheikh Mansour takeover? Uh, yeah, I, I just, just uh, specifically, mate, I, I, I can't remember, but I know it was obviously a few games in, news was breaking, and, and they think very quickly that, that it seemed to be a buyout. I think Mark was in, obviously strong contact with Gary Cook at the time. And it just seemed, you know, my recollection, it just seemed almost like from one day to the next, it seemed to happen very, very quickly where, you know, it was, there was this interest from Sheikh Mansour. And then obviously you try and do it, you know, personally, a lot of homework on it and looking at, you know, where's, what's going to happen? Where's this coming from? And it, it just seemed just very, very quickly from almost like one day to the next, we bang, we were there and the next minute, the change change of ownership happened. We obviously knew in the build up to it that that, that uh, Sinuato had his financial problems and it, and it couldn't continue. You know, obviously with his situation in Thailand, assets frozen, it was impossible for that situation to open. So we knew of, that there was going to be new owners coming in. You know, and 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 we felt City was a was a very attractive situation. So again, whom it may be and, and when, but it, it, I remember it did happen very quickly. Yeah, what? Uh, how much of of the Rubinio deal were you aware of before it before it happened? Was that was that very much uh, a statement from the new owner, or was it somebody Mark was looking at that suddenly with with a lot of money, sort of thing? Yeah, no, it, it was it, again. I think it's been well documented. It, it was um, we had a, the academy, the golf day at um, I think Wolseley Park um, Golf Course and, and Hotel, and we'd you know turned up in the morning to play. I'm, I'm with Mark, and we I think we were playing with. Um, with uh, Jim Cassells, perhaps was it the academy director? I think so. Anyway, and we were going on the golf course, and obviously you got your, your your phones, your mobile phones, and again news was breaking very quickly that that uh, you know the, the takeover, and they wanted to make an instant statement, and it genuinely was me. It sounds sounds silly to say it now, but it was almost that we were on. Well, we were on the buggy, and and Gary Cook and the people were saying to Mark, "Well, look, you know, you know, the deadline's closing. We." As a club and the owners want to make an instant statement, you know, to the fans and to everybody. This, you know, this is what we were about. This is what we're going to do. We're going to make massive changes. We're going to take the club forward. So, I think uh, at one time, you know, they were talking to Mark. There was there was bids, four or five bids. One, I know certainly one for uh, Berbatov. There was one for Berbatov. There was one, I think, for Frank Ribery on the table. Um, there was one for. Um, I'm trying to think now. We had about four bids, or, or each one round about the 30 million mark on the table for players, where agents had run through to the clubs and said, basically, bang, we want this player of yours. This is what we're happening. 
that was happening. And at that time, it was, you know, it was literally eye-watering eye, eye sort of uh, money, if you like, for any club to turn down. And, you know, we went from playing golf and not being able to concentrate, but, you know, you're still going through the motions. One minute you're thinking, well, Berbadov's coming. The next minute it was somebody else. Then it was Rubinho. I have to confess, I don't think we knew. We didn't know a lot about Rubinho at the time, other than he was a mercurial talent at, at, at Real Madrid. Genuinely, you'd, you'd probably look at the the you know the, the players, the, the three or four players that we'd sort of almost like targeted, and thinking what one would fit in best to the way we wanted to go forward. And I have to say, for all his talent, Robinho was probably the least of the most attractive in terms of you know we just felt he didn't you didn't probably need like a, a you know physically that type of player. You know, we, you know a Berbatov, somebody who could go, you know really go. And lead the line up front and score goals, uh, even like a, a ribbery type of player. But it didn't. I suppose if we had a real choice, if you like, at the time, I suppose I suppose Rubinho would have been down the list of the three or four. You know. Yeah, and I suppose that that kind of bears out as well when you look at, at the following January and the players that came in then, the likes of you know Craig Bellamy, Nigel De Jong, Shea Given. They were they were the sorts of players that you needed at the time. Yes, and and and, and like to Gareth Barry as well. I, I remember having a conversation. We, we'd. At the end of that first season, um, Mark and I had gone um, again with the with the families, if you like, with the wives. We'd gone to to have a, just a short break in Abu Dhabi, and we were staying at the the big hotel there, um, luxurious hotel. And um, obviously, we liked. I'm new with the situation with Gareth at, at Aston Villa, uh, and we wanted him obviously to come to City. And made a few phone calls and realised Gareth was actually on holiday in Dubai with his wife. So we made contact and um, got to a situation where he he driven he drove from where he was in Dubai across to Abu Dhabi for a conversation. And I remember saying to Gareth, you know, because it's funny to say it, but he actually needed persuading, you know, because he was settled where he was, and at the time, obviously, things hadn't taken off at Sydney. It was a lot of Again, a lot of talk and a lot of interest and, you know, things were, were going to happen. So we, he needed to persuade him to come. And he came, we, we, Mark and I sat him down. He came into the hotel. We found a quiet private room where we, we had like a, a very small glass of wine with him. And, and basically what, what I said to him was at the time, you know, myself and Mark in the room, I said, listen, because he was asking questions like genuinely saying, well, you know, yeah, if I'm going to come, what's going to happen? And. You know, saying to Mark, if you like him myself, you know, how long are you guys going to be here? And, you know, it's... And I just said to him, listen, Gareth, it, it doesn't really, football-wise, it doesn't really matter whether Mark's here, myself's here, whatever. He said, "We hopefully we're going to be here because, you know, you, you'd love to see it go forward for the next 10 years. But I, and I, I used the phrase, I said to him, listen, Gareth, come and join us because this is like a big juggernaut. And he, I said, it's like a big juggernaut, ju- jump on, Jump on on or a big train if you like. Just jump on it, and 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 ride it. And he said, I said, if Mark and I fall off along the way, or if anybody else comes and goes, just stay in it on it as long as you can. Because if you do, you will win league titles. You will win Champions Leagues. You will win cups. Simple as that. This opportunity of this club, I said, you you can't miss out on it because you think, well, you know, maybe I'm happier where I am, and you know. There's a little bit of a grey area. What what is going to happen? I said the one thing you know what's going to happen is with, with an owner like Sheikh Mansour is the club will just keep going forward. Yeah, um, I want to talk about uh, the the shape of the dressing room as well because there was there was rumours behind uh, uh, certainly from th- that the fans were seeing 
um, that there, uh, certainly in that first season, there was that that that, that cliques had developed, especially among like the the Brazilian players, that sort of thing. Um, how was it a united dressing room, or was it difficult to to kind of get it together? Well, I think it was. I'd be lying if I said it was united. It, I don't think it was. I mean, I've been in far worse dressing rooms, certainly, but. I think there was just this uneasiness because you had the likes, if you like, of Stephen Ireland, of Mika Richards, of Nidham and Nua, of Michael Johnson, who'd grown up at the club. They were now left wondering, well, you know, do the club want me still? Am I going to be surplus requirements? Am I going to just be, if you like, bought out? Somebody comes in, you know, with a higher price tag just because they're, they're again, more sexier than I am. So there was, there was that to deal with, with the younger players, certainly, and making sure they were still you know, engaged and not, if you like, disenfranchised with the whole thing. So that was important. But then, obviously, when the likes of Rubinho and Joe and people like that coming in, the natural thing is that, you know, they do. It happens now in clubs. They do tend to congregate together. Now, that's that's okay if everybody's, if you like, pulling in the same direction. But I think what we found was, again, for all his talent, if you like, you, you had the likes. I think you still had that mentality at the time where, Everybody wanted, you know, it's okay. You, you, whoever you are, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of put up for you and we'll embrace you as long as you seem to be giving everything that's demanded. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and I think what a lot of, the, lot of different play, players, people saw at the club was, if you like, you know, Robinho, maybe Alano at the time for all his talent, Joe. Was, yes, they weren't just sticking together, which that's fine. It was they weren't putting the shift in, you know. When the going got tough in certain games, then it was, you know, you could almost see like a Rubinho thinking, well, you know, at that time, well, what am I doing here? You know, what am I doing? I come from Real Madrid. And while the game was going on, instead of just basically knuckling down and putting the effort in, and that would cause problems, like on the training ground sometimes and, you know, and, and match days in the dressing rooms. They wanted to see that real commitment of, of putting the hard yards in, putting the effort in and and... and I go forward, David. We 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 were at Mark and I were at uh, we were at Stoke, and we played uh, played City. And um, after the game, Pep invited us in for a chat. And you know, we, we were saying at the time, two questions I asked him was, you know, first of all, would you see the difference? And he'd been there about maybe about six months, I think. And said to him, what, you know, what do you see? The, what's the difference from where you've been, if you like, in Germany to here? And, and Spain to, to the Premier League. And straight away, he turned around and he said, I just feel here, he said, nobody nobody lays down and dies. You know? He said, when you're in Spain and even in Germany but with Bayern Munich, if you go you go a goal up or two goals up, you know the game's won. You know, you get in the last 20 minutes, you can take it. He, he said, here, it doesn't matter who you're playing, you know, you can be, be playing a, a small club at the bottom of the league and they don't lay down and die. They keep coming at you, they keep coming at you, you know? And he said, that's, that's why it's so tough. And he also said then, he said, yeah, no, and, and how hard are you, you feeling easy or hard or what? And he actually said, well, it, it's easy it, at the moment. He said, because when you're two best players, and I think he said at the time, he, well, he said two best players, and he, he said uh, David Silver and Kevin De Bruyne. And we said, okay. And, you know, that was a, a surprise. He named those two. But he said, when your two best players work harder than anybody else in the team, then it's easy. And it just rung a bell with us because, you know, if Rubinho had come in and been that type of player, then maybe the outcome of his Man City career would have been better. You understand? Yeah. I want to talk about uh, the UEFA Cup run as well in that that first season because um, it was... 
it, it, it was, I mean, one of City's most memorable in Europe at that stage. Uh, yeah. What what was it like as you were progressing through the rounds and and getting closer and closer to 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 the end of the tournament? What what was it? Did you did you ever feel that that this could be it? This this is this is the opportunity. Um, yeah, I think we did. I, th- I think we did because you know we were playing well. We were gutted because I think the goals, if I remember right, you know, a few questions were asked with a few words afterwards because. I don't think we defended great, you know, certainly the last, I think it's half an hour in Germany out there. And you come in and you're 3-1 down and you're thinking, crikey, we felt we'd been the better side on the, on the, on the night. And, you know, over the two legs, you're thinking, well, yeah, I can remember, you, you have this feeling sometimes as a coach, Dave, where you think, you know, I think it was maybe about an hour gone in the game and you're thinking, well, yeah, you know what I mean? There's, there's not a lot to fear over two legs here. You know, I know sometimes you can't get ahead of yourself, too far ahead of yourself and things go crumbling down. but we actually felt, well, you know, we were the better side, but we came, we left us as a mountain to climb coming out of it because I think we switched off two or three times at the back end of the, 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 the game. But at the same time, you know, taking them back back to City Stadium at the time is just, again, the way the game went on the night, we always felt we were going to get ourselves back into the game and, and win the tie. And it was just really disappointing at the end because I just felt that we, you know, the, the way, there was just a, a feeling around the place that, you know, it was this was going to be a good year for us, you know. Yeah, I mean the atmosphere that night as well. I've never, I honestly, still never experienced anything like that in that stadium. Well, I can remember the marks. You know, he did. He, he quickly fell. You know, like played all his career, or most of his career in Manchester United, but he did quickly fall in love with the club. You know, and numerous times, Mark. You know, we'd come in after games, and and Mark would say to me, "You know, this is why. This is why we came here. This is why we came here." You know, when you, when you hear that and you see that and the feeling you got for the place, you know, it was. Um, I don't think anybody would, you know, I think going back to what you said earlier on, Dave, of course, I think it, it was harder for, if you like, Mark Hughes, you know, the, harder for the fans to basically, I would say, you know, use the phrase to, to love him, hard hard for him to, you know, to go into that situation. But I think anybody who, any City fan who looked back at those times, especially the at the back end of it, you know, and, and the time when we left the club, if you, if you see the, the disappointment and, and the, the passion that he had for for the club when we were there, then then I think no one would doubt that the, the fact that you know where, where his allegiances were. Yeah, um, the, the start of that next season that taught me through that uh, that summer transfer window because that that seemed a lot more um, let, let's say planned than the uh, than the previous uh, uh, previous summer. Uh, Adebayor came in, Gareth Barry, as you mentioned earlier, came in, uh, Colo Torre. These were these were players to take City to the next level, weren't they? Yes, and I think you know there was always still that that thing you know like the Adebayo thing of, of going for that you know somebody who sent a message to the fans you know this is what we're about you know what I mean we're going to blow everybody away type of thing there was still that sort of situation there but there, I think there was a lot more considered approach to it and let's say that you know and I know we were you know we I think we went to we went to South Africa for 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 a, a short tour and that had gone well and you know ended up sort of approaching the season thinking well you know. So, I don't think at the time, not so much like it is now, or it has been the last few years, where you're going into the season thinking, well, we can, you know, put make a push to win the Premier League here. But I definitely think think we had that every that thing where we where we're going to take the first big step forward. Now, you know, we're going to be a a top six top six uh, a club. I too, it was, it was interesting because Mark had, had said to me that you know when around about the time when we were. Uh, just before we'd left, if you like, or when we were leaving, you know, and 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 
that we'll probably talk about it later on, but that that you know, the, the day when when we sort of played Sunderland and whatever, and Mark had been Mark had, had meetings with 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 the hierarchy with 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 Haldun and at the start of the season, and the question was asked by Mark, what you know, what's the expectation this year? You know, uh, the money spent and the players brought in, and they were very calm and and and, and considered, and, and basically said to him. Well, we just need we need to and we've got to and we want to see progression. So we'd be looking for initially a European place, and we'd be looking for um, obviously good football on the on the pitch. But you know, let's definite uh, a rise in the table. Mark actually said to them, "Well, what about um, a cup situation? You know, what I mean, winning a cup." And the word that came back was, "Well." Well, that's not. We're not expecting that, but that's a that's a good bonus. That's icing on the cake if we have a good cup run or get into a final, win a cup. And the actual the day the day that we left the club, um, and and Mark was called upstairs. Uh, we knew what was going on because I thought at the time, obviously, it's been well documented. It wasn't handled very well, but Mark was called upstairs after the game, and obviously they said, "Look, we're going to make a change." And Mark said, "Well, yes." I know, I understand that. I know that because everybody's told me apart from you guys. And he said, well, why are you making a change? And they, they tried to allude to, well, you know, we need to do this or we need to do that. And Mark said, well, actually, you're not being quite genuine here because you told us at the start of the season that you wanted to see a place in Europe. Well, at the moment, we're third in the Premier League, you know. Then it was, well, you said it doesn't matter what a cup, but it's, it's a feather in your cap. And at the time, we were in the semi-final of the, the was it the Carling Cup? So, in terms of what had been set at the start of the season, we'd actually more than produced enough to 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 warrant staying. Having said that, Dave, of course, you know Mark Mark was very, very much saying to me, "Well, look, you know, it's no point being bitter about it, Mark, because Bowie called me because you know the owners they bought the club, they put a lot of money in that they do what they want to do and if they, if they don't fancy us and they want to go on doing a different thing then we accept it it's not a problem but we would he said i just wasn't prepared to accept the fact that we had not achieved what we'd been asked to do because we'd more than done that at the time yeah did did you and mark know that it was the la- the the final game for you against sunderland before kickoff yes dave it was it was again strange situation that i'd i was living in solial at the time and um Obviously, Saturday mornings, home games, what I would do, I would drive up uh, in my car with the wife, with the kids who who came to see every game if they could. We would get to the stadium where we'd go and have uh, maybe a slight bite, a small bite to eat. But I would then, when I got there, I would leave my wife and kids, if you like, in one of the lounges while I went into, you know, spoke spoke to Mark and, you know, the match day preparation would go on from there. And I was in the car driving up and it was... Saturday morning before the Sunderland game, it was about might have been about ten thirty, something like that in the morning, eleven o'clock, and I got a phone call from a, a member of the press that I'd known for many, many years, a fellow called you probably know Neil Neil Custis, who wrote for the Sun at the time. But I'd known Neil since I was a, a, a player at Norwich many years ago because he was the local reporter there. And the phone went. It was Neil, and I answered the phone in the car. I said, "Hi, Neil. How are you?" And he said, "Yeah." He said, I'm okay, bro. He said, um, you all right? And I said, yeah, fine. What's the problem? And he said, well, I hate to say this, mate. He said, but you're getting the sack today. <laughs> and I was like, what? 
He said, yeah. He said, and I said, you're joking. And he said, no, he said, listen, I'm marking your card. He said, we, we've been briefed on it yesterday by Gary Cook. It was like, wow. So he tried to explain things that, you know, but he said, you know, so to him as much as he sort of knew what he could, which was, a, you know, I'm sitting in the car with my wife and kids <laughs> and the, the phone's on loudspeaker. So, you know, a little bit of a shock, let's say, but got to the stadium. Um, usually I was first there, but when I got to the stadium, I walked down on my own, if you like, to Mark's little uh, office, if you like, little room. Mark was in there. So I went in, closed the door and locked it and said, uh, mate, I've got something to tell you. And, and he said to me, yeah, I think I know. I said, oh, you've heard? He said, yeah, I got a phone call this morning. I said, what, from, from the club, from Gary? He said, no, no. Somebody's marked my card in the press or whatever. And that's what it was. And still nothing was said. So at the time, obviously, the, the, the word is out there. And even before the game, players were, you know, the real strange atmosphere and we were having our, our, our pre-match uh, meeting and whatever. I remember Vincent Company came to Mark and said, what's happening? Mark basically said, look, I, no idea. No idea what's happening. So let's, you know, get, get our heads down. We've got a game to be won here. So we put, tried to put a lid in it the best we could. Really strange in the ground at the time. I remember, you know, when you're going out to start the match, it was a really strange atmosphere. Um, again, half time, still the same situation. We obviously we won the game comfortably. Came in afterwards, uh, Mark. So when the final whistle went, didn't really know what to do. Just sort of stepped on the pitch and gave a you know a little round of applause, and we came in. And then very quickly, uh, I think somebody somebody came come down and said to Mark, well. Haldun wants to see you upstairs, which you obviously know what's coming. Mark went up there and spoke to him and come down and said, well, you know, you know, he wants to see myself and, and Eddie Nizveski. And we went up there and the same thing. We just told that, you know, uh, the club's looking in a different direction. And, and that was it. And we, you know, hour later, we left the, build, left the building, so to speak. And, um, and they, they, from then on, if you like, you know, contract-wise, they handled it, you know, exemplary, fantastic. But I just think there was a bit of a, let's say, mix up with, with, with the, what, the messages that were coming out on the Friday and the Saturday, you know, which could have been handled better. Yeah. Um, and in a, in a weird way, by a, a strange twist of fate, you were, you were then with QPR on the final day in, in 2012. Um, so, I mean, what, what was that match like? Well, can I tell you that? You know, that is probably one of the most weirdest experiences I've ever, ever on, a, on or at the side of a football pitch because even at the final whistle, there was a strange feeling whereby you really wanted to, if you like, I don't know, um, let's say, clap the supporters and and give, you know, the, the, the players we knew at City a cuddle because they, 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 they'd done it, you know. But we obviously weren't part of it. We were part of the Queen's Park Rangers. But you felt in a strange way that you felt a, a tiny, let's say, a tiny part, part of it because of the, the role you've, you'd, you'd played there at the start, you know. So delighted for, absolutely, genuinely delighted for, because of the way the game turned out, we, we'd stayed up as well. It might have been different if we got relegated, but delighted for the club, absolutely over the moon for the club. And we obviously had our celebrations as well because we would have been brought into Queen's Park Rangers to to just keep them, whatever, you know, we were told, please, by, by hook or by crook, keep us in the Premier League. And we, we'd achieved that. But it really was a strange situation, you know, what went on through the day. And, and, and it's an interesting story because we... Obviously, the way if people remember the game when uh, we'd gone in front, and well, even when City had, uh, had equalised, 
well, knew we were like terrified now, thinking, oh my God. And then we looked up to the stand and we had uh, QPR's uh, board and the owner up there. And by this time, the, the game at uh, Stoke against Bolton, I think it was, had finished. And we knew then we were safe. So although we were disappointed, they were celebrating and would, you know, came down to us, we're okay, we're up, we've stayed up. So, okay, great. So as far as we can see, it doesn't matter our result, we're up. We're, so now we are kicking off, having just conceded. And I will never, I'll never forget it. Honestly, there was like Jay Bothroyd uh, was, was playing up front. He'd come on. I think he'd come on as sub for us. And you know, at the time, our players, we were saying, we're up, we're safe. So they all stood there looking at the bench. So, okay, well, we still got, if you like, a minute, two minutes to play in this game. What do we do? So we'd said to Jay Bothroyd, well, just, he was like looking, you know, his hands up, what do you want me to do? And we just said, well, just kick it forward. Just kick it out for a throw in down this right-hand side, over the top of the full-back's head, get it away from our goals, put it out for a throw-in because the game's over. Well, if you remember, I think we kicked off, we knocked it forward, and it was far from being a throw-in, he, he knocked it towards the, the, the corner of the penalty box, in which case I think Joe Hart ran out, got possession, smashed it forward, and 10 seconds later, it's in the back of our net. So that, that was a real... I mean, well, then we were angry because in terms of professionalism, we, you know... and. It, it's a funny one, I actually think to this day, that if Jay Bothroyd, I think it was Jay anyway, if he'd have actually put it out for a throw-in at the time, then, or maybe if we'd have kicked off and it, we'd passed it back and gone back to our keeper, then maybe City wouldn't have won the league, <laughs> you know? It was just decisions made at that specific time that gave them seconds to actually get the ball forward and, and, and you know, use the ability they had to go and craft a winner with, with, with Aguero. Yeah, I, I was going to say, what what was it like to be kind of so again knowing that your that that QPR was safe on the opposition bench for uh, you know on the goal that wins the, the the league in stoppage time? I mean, what what's that experience like? Well, it was again being professional. It was when when City scored. It was for us. It was devastating because you want to win every football match you're involved in. You know, and we'd gone up there and nobody gave us an absolute prayer of anything, and having a man sent off. You know, and you've got to rejuggle your side and, and thinking, well, you know, I, and I forget at half time. I went in at half time. And I'm not ashamed to say it because we were at half time, Queen's Park Rangers were down because the results elsewhere weren't in our favour. I think we were behind the Man City. It didn't look like any way back. And I basically said a little prayer in the dressing room to myself, you know, to say, well, you know, if there's any hope out there, you know, I better start getting on my knees and praying now. And the way the second half developed was just just madness, really, wasn't it? You know, sending off and everything as well. And so initially, yeah, when, when Aguero's goal went in, your first thought is you, you're absolutely gutted because you want to win the game, of course, and, and show every, you know, 10 men we've come up and we've done our jobs professionally. But then, you know, generally when, when the final whistle went in, you saw the joy on, on the, the fans and, and the players' faces at City. You know, you, you, you did feel um, delighted for them, you know. I mean, I still say now that when, when, when we went in there, in, even, you know, that, that, that year we were there, year and a bit, was it perhaps, that, you know, we needed probably somebody like a Mark Hughes to go in there and be that first step to take it. You know, the, the, the environment that we inherited wasn't, wasn't an elite environment by any means. It was, it, it, was, it was a sort of tiredness to the place. There was a, I don't know, almost the acceptance of mediocrity. You know, we, we, we said about certainly spending money and raising standards at the training ground, the old training ground, 
getting things in place and you know and you know and and, and things the way the way you went about things properly like you know and all those little things and I, I, to this day and I'm not, I don't hope I don't look some conceited here dear but to this day I think we played a major part in, in transforming Manchester City Football Club as well as don't not listen I'm not stupid here, as well as Sheikh Mansour and his, his millions and and, and everything, but we played a significant impact in taking a club that was underperforming and, and making it into an, a start of an elite environment that could go ahead and, and, and take the club forward. I've no doubt about that. 